Good morning. It's good to see y'all. I'm Jeff Ross. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm not Marion. Uh, Marion's having a great day down the hill. Uh, her uh, oldest child is being confirmed in the church with about 80 plus uh, students in our youth program that have gone through confirmation. And so she's super excited and helping out with that service, and she asked if I would kind of pitch hit in being here with y'all today, and I said, sure, I enjoy being with y'all and being in the service and being a part of this. So um, uh, I want us to uh, uh, spend a little time in the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. Um, it's way in the back of the Old Testament with all those other little prophet books that are like two or three chapters. And uh, so we're going to talk about why Habakkuk uh, and what that has to do to help us today. So let's, uh, let's start. Uh, we're going to read just a short passage, uh, but then talk a little bit more about it. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me. And what he will answer concerning my complaint. So hold that screen. Ah, no, go back to the first one. So uh, one of the things we learn in this passage is that uh, uh, Habakkuk is, is a prophet, but he's, he didn't go to prophet school. Uh, if, if you look at all of the uh, little, uh, little books in the Old Testament, uh, past Psalms and Proverbs, all the way to the end of the Old Testament, it's such a neat, rich collective of people. Uh, they're not mostly ordained. They're not ministers. They're, they, uh, they're, they're just common folks that God speaks to. And when God speaks to, they're, they're instructed to share this passage or share this message. And most of them are pretty short. Uh, and they're writing in a time of really kind of chaos, which is why I picked that for us today, because we live in a similar time. People want to know what's going on, what, what's God up to, what are we supposed to do, where are we supposed to go, where, where are we supposed to turn? Uh, and so the, this passage is Habakkuk saying, I'm standing at my post, uh, I'm, I'm looking out at the landscape, and it's a mess, uh, and I've got a lot of complaints about things that are going on right now, and I'm looking to God to give us direction and vision. So now verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it. For there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So, well, let's, let's pray. Uh, God... We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we have in worship to, uh, to sit, to listen, to talk, to share, to dream, to think, uh, and to let you speak to us uh, about your voice in our heart and in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, chaotic time, wait for the vision, here it is. But I don't know if you caught that in verse 3, not really clear. Wait for it. It'll come. It won't delay. So is, is, is that the vision? 
Is that what he's supposed to tell people? Uh, you want something a little clearer, like first step, second step, here's what's going to happen on Thursday of uh, you know, December 10th. Um, but he doesn't get that. Uh, and the rest of the chapter is uh, kind of you know, uh, struggling. And then at the very end of the chapter, he says, but with all the craziness going on, I'm going to trust God. And so uh, Habakkuk is uh, 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 just a, a, a person that God picks to speak through and to talk. And so uh, I, I was fascinated as we were singing uh, and thinking about the dilemma that, that that is when we come to worship, right? We're singing songs of trust, of praise, of adoration to God. And, and that's, that's a huge part of worship. But in that praise and adoration, <laughs> we kind of want something. And I want to st stay away from saying we feel entitled to something, although that's not really all that far from the truth. But we want something, right? We want to praise and worship God, but then at some point in there, we want answers to our questions. We want direction. We want to know what the next step is. And so our time is not really all that different from the time that Habakkuk is, is speaking to, to people. Uh, this is kind of uh, Jerusalem's destroyed, and then uh, people are starting to come back, but they're under Roman rule. They don't like it. Uh, what's going to happen? There's this talk of a Messiah, but when's the Messiah coming? It's been a long time. Things aren't getting any better. What's God up to? If God is really active, then why doesn't something happen today? And sort of the same kind of struggle we're in, right? We're, we've been going to church. We're uh, 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 Christian people. Uh, God, God ought to be doing a little better <laughs> for us. And so what's, what's happening? What does all this mean? Where are we going? Where are we headed? Uh, what's taking place? Uh, and so when we sing songs of adoration, that's a piece of worship. But we long for direction, guidance, kind of the next uh, step. And so we want that personally, right? We all have questions, things are going on in our lives. We want that nationally. We want that uh, uh, for our church. We want that for our community, depending on uh, maybe an organization that you're a part of. We're, we're wanting vision and direction. One of the things that people always ask me as a pastor of a church, what's your vision for the church? Well, that's always difficult because it, it doesn't always come right when you want it. And, and most of the times it comes in pieces. And so that's what I want us to kind of look at today. This vision that Habakkuk says, wait for it. Uh, it, 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 it will surely come. Well, when we are waiting and praising God, but the next step is not totally uh, clear, what do we do and how do we uh, make sense of that and, and feel like we are true and authentic to our faith and happy and trusting God, but still, what, what do we do, God? What, what's the answer to this next step? So I don't know as you're thinking about uh, things that are going on in your life, maybe what's most important that bubbles up to the top where you need direction, guidance, a plan. Uh, if you are at one of these stages, uh, I'm clueless. Uh, <laughs> 
have no idea what I'm supposed to do next. I'm in the middle. Uh, some things are happening, but I don't know what they mean. I don't know how to put them together. I'm clueless about what to do. I have some ideas. Number two, I have some ideas I'm kind of excited about, but I'm not really sure of the next step. I need some clarity. So I, I've kind of got a plan. I'm, I'm sort of kind of hoping, excited about, but I, I need some clarity on that. And number three, I, I know God's vision for my life and I'm pursuing it. So from completely not even getting started to got it all done and just working it out to somewhere in the middle. Mike Tyson doesn't get quoted a lot in church, but he has a great quote. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. I like that. Sometimes we are, you know, kind of moving along and then something hits us, something happens and derails us. And that's one of the places where, okay, God, I've been praising you. I've been coming to church. I've been giving. I've been doing all the things I'm supposed to. Why has this happened to me? What's going on? Uh, help me understand where I went wrong, where you went wrong. Did you just forget me? What's going on and what do I, I need to do? Uh, so a plan provides for focus, uh, and opens a door for what God's trying to do. And so getting in touch with that and, and uh, being a part of that is important. You can look at uh, lots of biblical examples and church examples and, and probably personal examples where folks kind of thought they had an idea, went full steam ahead, and it it, it, was, it didn't line up with God at all, and it derailed. You can look at, at Moses uh, in his first attempts to lead the Israelites. Uh, didn't work so well. He went into hiding for a while. John Wesley, uh, same sort of thing in his early ministry. Had a plan, came to the United States, and fell apart miserably, went back to uh, England, and sort of in despair goes to church one day uh, and has this life-altering experience with God and then at that point is on the same team and same path and same mind as what God's trying to do in his life. Sometimes uh, it, it takes some sort of misstep to get into the right step and, and the right rhythm. Um, and, if, and if it's our plan that we're trying to get God to bless, sometimes it, it's like trying to bust through a door that won't budge. And so how do, we, how do we know and find uh, the right plan? And that's where this passage with Habakkuk is so helpful, but also so frustrating at the same time, where God says, okay, here's what we're going to do. And then what he says to do is to wait, to be patient. It's coming. Uh, and so this idea of trusting God, and then what do we do uh, in the meantime? So... In your life, what's your plan for your life, for finances, for work, for family, uh, for faith? Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. So again, as you're, as you're thinking this morning, uh, uh, do you have something in your head where, yeah, I'm, I'm clueless. I, I don't know what to do. I need some kind of idea. Or you have an idea, but you just need clarity. Or you're pretty confident with where God's directing and guiding you. He's opened a door, and you're, you're following that. So, 
one of the places that I've, I find helpful in looking at uh, direction is the story of Nehemiah, which uh, is a little further back uh, before Psalms and Proverbs in the Old Testament. But just the process that Nehemiah goes through, he prays. Uh, if you'd like some homework, it's all in the first four chapters of, of Nehemiah. Uh, but he, he, he sees a need uh, that um, exists. And then he feels the need. It's something that touches him. He sees a need that he also matches his passion and interest and abilities with. And I think that's a pretty key thing. He has a burden to try to find a way to be a part of the solution. And so all of this is weighing on him. He believes that he can meet the need, and so he steps into it. He begins to make the next step in what he can do. So first it's in his head, it's in his heart, and then he begins to step out in some sort of faith that what's in his head and his heart uh, is something that God is really leading him to. Um, Jeremiah the, is the same way. He feels, one of the prophets that I was talking about, he feels this uh, message that's bubbling up inside of him. Uh, and, and he needs to speak it uh, because of the pressure that's building up inside of him. He says if he, he doesn't speak, it's like a fire that's burning in his heart. Jesus, when he first comes on the scene in Mark, chapter 4, verse 18, says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free. So Jesus is able to articulate a really clear vision, direction, purpose, what he's trying to do. And it's this uh, burden, hope, desire that uh, God is, has, has given him. And so you may be in a place like that where you have already uh, found uh, something that's on your heart, it's in your head, and you, you can see a path to, to get it done. Uh, you might have the right connections like Nehemiah did, or you might just have a great passion uh, like Jesus did. And so if, if that's all coming together in your life, then th that's a huge blessing uh, to be able to know and to feel and to sense uh, what it is that God is calling you to, to do and to, to take some next steps. Um, but, but that's not always the case with us. Sometimes we, we're kind of in that middle place, right? Where we see something, uh, we're, we're trying to figure out in starting a family or uh, uh, do I go back to school? Is that good for my career? Uh, uh, what even do I want to do? Uh, I, I'm getting close to retirement. Is that, can I just jump into that? Am I, is that going to be an awful decision? What's my next step? And so I love the story of Peter, right? Jesus is uh, walking across the water. And Peter and the other disciples are in the boat. And uh, Peter sees Jesus out on the water. And Peter says, Jesus, command me to come to you. And Jesus, I think he laughs. I think he giggles. <laughs> and I think he says, okay, this is going to be fun. 
<laughs> he goes, Peter, come on out. And so what does Peter do? He takes the first step out of the boat. That's huge. I mean, you're in a boat, even if it is Jesus, you know, 20 feet away, you're in a boat and, and to take that first step out of the boat, that, that is so difficult because you know this is it's not going to work, but Jesus is out there. And so, and I think that for us, that's true in our life, right? The next step, that first step is like, oh my gosh, is this the right thing? Is it the wrong thing? A hundred ways this could go bad. How do I know? And, and so it's always kind of like real timid, right? Uh, I, I don't know. Is this the right thing? But taking that first step in anything, uh, filling out the application, uh, making that phone call, uh, talking to, to somebody, uh, maybe sharing something that's on your heart or something you're struggling with. Always that first step, bringing something that's in the darkness to light, saying that you need help, uh, asking for help, all of those things. That first step is always so hard. Uh, Gideon does that a little more tentatively, uh, a little safer. Uh, if you know the story of Gideon, God calls him to be the leader of the army for his people. He doesn't feel up to the challenge. And so he puts out a fleece. Uh, he takes a piece of cloth and he puts it on the ground. And I might have this backwards. But the first night he prays that for all the ground, <coughs> excuse me, to be wet. <coughs> Sorry. Um, all the ground to be wet and for the fleece to be dry. And, and, and if the fleece is dry and all the ground's wet, then he's going to know for sure that God is calling him to this task. Uh, if you know the story, the, the next part's funny. Uh, and so he wakes up in the morning, the, the ground is wet and the fleece is dry. And he goes, oh no, <laughs> God answered my prayer. What am I going to do now? So he does probably what you and I would do. He goes, okay, let's try this again just to make sure. So let's pray for all of the, uh, the, the ground to be dry and the fleece to be wet. Did I say that the same way both times? Uh, but the opposite this time. And, and so he, he goes to bed, he wakes up the next morning, and it's just the way he prays. And so then he says, okay, God. And, and so sometimes I think God is okay with that. I, I, I need to ask some questions. I need to test this. And that might be a conversation with a few people. That might be something. But, but somehow, what's that next step? So Habakkuk has this vision that God is actually involved. God is working. But the time frame that God's working under might not be the time frame that we have, but we still have next steps. We still have trust. We still have a process of things to do. And that might be the case in your life. Whatever it is that you're praying for might not be tomorrow, but what is it that you can do today? What's the next step? And then the next step, and then the next step. Uh, looking at something from here to the finish line often is, is difficult and hard, but looking at the next steps may be the easiest way to tackle it. In 
Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 1, Habakkuk asked the question of God, how long? How long? And, and that's where I think the, the struggle is in, in our faith. Uh, as I talked about, as we sang this morning, songs of affirmation and praise. Sometimes the answer to the question, how long, is sometimes it, it, it's going to be a little while. Sometimes the situation we're in just can't fix itself overnight. Sometimes it's not a magic wand that just makes all of the past, how we got to where we are, just go away. And sometimes there's a process, there's a length of time that has to take place. And sometimes that's hard. We want to give up. We don't want to wait that long. We're impatient. We want God to move and act now. So I, I don't know where you are this morning, are you really clear about what's next? Are you, you kind of clear but just need some next steps? Or, gosh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not even sure where to begin. I think this passage and these, these stories of uh, the faithfulness of Israel in this time of waiting are important chapters for us to read right now. Because they talk about a time that's not unlike our own, where we're confused about what's next. We're confused about where things are going. We're, we're confused about how all this impacts our life and things that, that we want to happen. So whether you're a teenager trying to figure out next steps, somebody in college, newly married trying to start out, parents trying to figure out raising kids, middle age or retirement age, each of those time frames and more require a next step, a new vision, starting over, getting on board. And so it's this, it's this uh, tension, isn't it? Of, of praising God, of affirming God, of, of raising your hands in praise and adoration and worship. But at the same time, God, here's, here's what I need. How, how, how can you help me get from here to here? How can I stay connected even when I'm not getting the answers? Because the temptation is always to try to find a new place to go to. And I think that's where, for me, communion comes in. Jesus is at a huge pivotal place with the disciples, right? They have no idea what's going on. Uh, talk about a time of chaos and change and next steps and, oh my gosh, what do we do next? And so Jesus gathers this group of folks together and they come together at the end of this meal and Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And I'm sure the disciples are going, what is he talking about? And then Jesus takes the cup and, and lifts it and he says, this is my blood which is poured out for you. Whenever you're together, remember this, remember me. And then over the next few days, the disciples see 
what Jesus has done, and they're added a couple of pieces, the Holy Spirit that's going to guide them, Jesus' presence after the resurrection, uh, Jesus' uh, teaching, ministry, work with them to guide them along the next steps. And so when we come together, we remember those events. We look back on the history of the church and we say, yeah, God has been faithful. We can look back at points in our life. God has been faithful to guide, to lead, to open doors. Surely God will do that again. And so partly we come for communion. It's a confession. I need you, God. I need direction. I need to know next steps. I need your help, your Holy Spirit, just to stay connected when I'm tempted to just throw it all in. And Jesus' promise is, is to be there, to be there in the midst of events, worship like this, to be there in the midst of chaotic times through the Holy Spirit where friends, music, uh, other types of ways we hear God's voice, we see God's presence, how we're reminded not to give up or turn away. So again, I don't know where it might be that uh, you're hearing these words today as you're thinking about something that's coming up, as you're thinking about where your next steps are in some area of your life. But we come in worship to affirm that God is with us. He doesn't forsake us. He doesn't leave us alone. He's not going to abandon us. He's not going to quit us. And as a church body, we come together to recognize that God is at work in us in the various ways in which we share and tell and testify uh, week after week, year after year in this place. You've been, um, you've got the communion elements. Uh, if you haven't, they're in the aisles. You can grab it. It's uh, kind of two pieces. You peel off the, the top layer and there's the wafer and then you peel off the second layer and there's the, the juice. I would invite you to do that at this time. Let us pray. God, these elements aren't magical. Um, taking this wafer and, and this juice doesn't uh, miraculously turn into anything. But God, it, it is what you have asked us to do, to be connected to you. We confess our need for you. We, we love the, the idea and the, the message in the church liturgy that says that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And that proves your love for us. That it's not that we take communion because we've earned it by being so wonderful. But it's that it's your grace and your love that empowers us. Let us pray the, holy, the, the words that Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The body of Christ, which is given to you, blood of Christ which is shed for you. Amen. We are in a, a season in the church um, where uh, every household is in and every uh, business is in uh, where we're looking at uh, what we can and can't do next year, trying to put a budget together. Uh, you've been given or have seen around the church the different ways to give and the estimate of giving card. Uh, instead of me telling you about that and uh, making a pitch for that, we've put together a, a short little video that uh, celebrates a lot of the things that are happening in the church, and I'd like you to see it. Walking alone can be hard, but walking together provides new opportunities. Opportunities to have fellowship, opportunities to grow together, opportunities to go farther hand in hand. This past year, you have walked side by side with Roswell United Methodist Church through every step. For many, this past year has been hard and you have showed a new level of compassion to our community by being responsive and caring for their needs. You have been welcoming by being relational to those around us while making connections with them. We have only been able to do this together because you have also been generous in your giving. Roswell UMC's 2021 highlights have been your success stories. Stories like providing 12,375 bags of groceries distributed to over 43,000 people through My Neighbor's Pantry. 1,600 pounds of produce and 129 gallons of greens distributed through the Giving Garden? Or what about the 35,000 meals prepared and distributed through our kitchen? In 2021, we've also had 82 confirmations. 376 youth attended our AYL event, with 37 of those youth dedicating their lives to Christ. We've also heard the stories of lives impacted through the 29 students involved with Mighty Mente's tutoring program. 110 people served on mission trips over the last year. More lives are impacted at the 40 weekly meetings at the Counseling Center. An outreach is given by the 28 Stephen ministers in our congregation. We've had 48 children attending our Sunday schools. And even 28 third graders received their Bibles in 2021. And 25 families have been able to participate in our Parents' Morning Out program. Literally singing God's praises have been our 70 choir members through seven musical groups that have also participated in reaching out to our community to share joy in an uplifting hymn of praise. Roswell UMC has engaged our community with weekly devotions on social media. 
Each week, a new story from our congregation is shared in worship through our Community and Faith videos. Steps in new directions and stories of change can inspire. 25 new members have joined Roswell United Methodist Church. Nearly 1,700 donors have given to our church over the last year, helping propel our next steps forward in an ever-changing world. Through these stories of outreach, community, and worship, we are able to live our mission of helping people live a Christ-centered life. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7 says each should give according to what they have decided in their heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Consistent, planned generosity makes it possible for us to budget and dream responsibly. Please make your pledge by November 14th so we can plan as a church for 2022. Your gifts are what allow us to continue to be a place of community and faith.